make all this even worse. But has anyone else noticed that the minor league system has regressed too? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Tonight, I'll be headed back over to PNC Park. Pirates versus Red Sox. 7.05 p.m. first pitch. They'll lose. They'll lose the game after that, too. That's the way things are going lately. And when they lose, they'll be extending a stretch of, well, it's currently four in a row. These are tough to keep track of. And eight out of the past 10, obviously, on that disastrous trip that they just completed. But, but don't let that provide cover for what's happening or what isn't happening in the system, because we are now in the third year under Ben Charrington. And while that's not sufficient time to build up a contender when you're doing it in his manner, meaning almost completely from scratch, you'd better believe it's sufficient time to have people singing, and rightly so, about your system. Well, here's the thing. Baseball America, which remains the preeminent arbiter of prospects, a week ago, while I was over in Europe, updated their top 100 list. And the top 100, for anybody who doesn't know, encompasses all of baseball. The top 100 prospects, young players who aren't in the majors yet. And the entirety of the Pirates' participation on this list was, wow, four players. And the highest was Termar Johnson, who was just drafted at number four overall. And anybody who's familiar with B.A.'s methodologies knows that they always seem like they overvalue the most recent draft because everybody's all hyped up about it and you just got done reading everything about them. So Termar Johnson, number four overall pick this summer, was 46. The other three guys who make it are all in the bottom 40. That's Quinn Priester, Leo Verpaguero, and Henry Davis, all the way down at number 84. Henry Davis, who was the number one overall pick the previous year, plunges into the 80s. Why is this? Well, you can argue that B.A. unfairly punishes players who are hurt. And out of everybody that's on this list, uh, Priester... Davis, Nick Gonzalez, who was the Pirates' first-round pick the year before, Andy Rodriguez, a really good-looking hitting prospect that was acquired from the Mets in the three-team trade a couple years ago. These Priester, Davis, and Gonzalez have all been hurt for significant stretches of the season, including up to right now. And it's and it's hurt their rankings. It's hurt their projections. So where you can argue that it is fair that you count injuries is that a player just kind of gets pushed aside. You know, a player doesn't progress at the age that you want to see him progressing whenever their ceilings are perceived to still be higher 
So it does. It does affect things. However, however, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Three years, three years into this, the Pirates have four guys in the top 100, one barely in the top 50. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Now, if you want to argue, well, there's O'Neill Cruz and he got called up and other young guys have gotten called up. O'Neill Cruz was not the product of this administration. O'Neill Cruz was acquired in a trade from the Dodgers by Neil Huntington. And as I once did... When Huntington took over for Dave Littlefield, I will go out of my way to point out who got who. I very vividly, actually, as a side note here, recall hearing from someone with the Pirates Brass who was quite upset with a piece that I'd written. Uh, This was at a newspaper about how Huntington was succeeding with Littlefield's prospects. And when I asked them to come back at me with facts or whether or not there was a factual issue, and I rattled off the names of Andrew McCutcheon and Neil Walker and Starling Marte, Tony Watson, Jared Hughes, these were all little field picks, as were the guys that Huntington used to trade off for parts like Jason Bay, Xavier Nady, Steve Pierce, and so forth. Oh, Jose Bautista. How can I forget? But here we are right now in year three of this process, and for as excited as everyone got about the draft last year, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, the one this year, this is what's there. This is what counts the most. Your high-end prospects are the reason that you do this teardown. They're the reason that you're supposed to accept the dramatic slashing in payroll because you're supposed to be building up a bunch of talent that by the time they get to Pittsburgh is supposed to be a real challenge to pay, but that's okay because you hoarded all this money along the way and then you're supposed to just all of a sudden pull out the wallet at some point and pay everybody. But what happens if the talent isn't there? This might be the worst thing to happen to this franchise in 2022. And I say that with all due respect to the big league team being horrendous. And as ever, it's really hard to say why something like that occurs. I focused a lot on yesterday's show about the regression at the big league level, and you can pin that on Derek Shelton. You can pin that on Andy Haynes, Oscar Marine. You can pin it on Charrington, probably more easily than anybody else, because he's the one that has to amass the players. You can go all the way up and pin it on Bob Nutting. You can do whatever it is that you want to do with it. But it's really hard to tell why a team regresses. What's way more challenging is trying to figure out how it regresses as a system. Where exactly are these players that we're supposed to be all pumped about? 
I'm going to read you the most recent and updated top 10 within the pirate system. Also from BA, number 10, Carlin Lojinski. Number nine, Jared Jones, we kind of like. Number eight, Thomas Harrington. Number seven is Gonzalez. Six, I'm going to make a special mention of him as Andy Rodriguez because he's been good. He's been someone who's progressed exactly the way you want, just earned his promotion to double-A Altoona. He's hitting well there. Also, personal note, awesome kid. Absolutely loved interacting with him in Bradenton. Number five, Michael Burroughs. This was supposed to be the breakout pitcher. And again, he's been good, but he's at five in a system that's had a lot of guys go backward. Number four is Henry Davis, which really does not feel all that comfortable being a number one overall pick. Number three is Leo Verpaguero, who's done okay. Saw him make the cameo in Pittsburgh. Two is Priester and one is Johnson. Tell me right now if you think that three years worth of assets, holding back on payroll, and losing, 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 and more losing was worth that list. When we come back, J1Q. Scott Nelson, who asks, what's wrong with me? I keep watching the Pirates and will continue to do so. Wait, that's a question for me. How about this one? Should the Pirates keep playing Ben Gamble and Kevin Newman every day or go with youth all the time? You know, I think this one would be easier to answer if you came at me with them separately as opposed to philosophically. Uh, I've seen a lot of plate appearances of gambles that I haven't liked. He has not appeared to be himself. He's not comfortable. He's flailing. He's really lost against lefties. And he's not just making that solid professional contact that you're used to seeing from him. Newman, on the other hand, has had some good at bats. Uh, Not all great, but he's probably been, and I'm not saying this as some sort of high compliment, the Pirates' most effective hitter since the All-Star break. Am I wrong on this? Now, to your philosophical thing, which I presume is what you're asking here, you know, move those guys out and try the young guys, I think the more appropriate line of discussion here is where are the kids What's Jack Sawinski doing in the minors? What's he either learning or experiencing down there that he can't do in the majors when he's still leading the league in rookie home runs? Where's Rowanzi Contreras for that matter? This is all about, ah, don't get me started on roster manipulation. It makes the subject so much more boring, but it's also what it's about, you know? Uh, Not everything is some sort of hot take narrative. This is just, this is what this franchise does. They keep plotting and planning for some day when all of this talent's going to arrive. And I, I guess that's the theme for the day. You know, where is it? Who in Indianapolis is really, really, Scott, if you think about it, 
other than Contreras, and I, I guess you can make this argument for Sawinski, although he hasn't completely torn it up down there, he still belongs here. What you'd really want to see, ideally, is this flood of prospects duking it out with each other at every level. That's over the top, but at close to every level of the system. Do it in AAA. Do it in Altoona. Do it in Greensboro. Do it down in Bradenton. But that's not what's going on. It's not what's going on. And if this were year one or year two, you don't even think about it. You just don't, because that wouldn't be fair to anybody involved. But in year three, I'm sorry, man. Something's off. Okay? Something's off off i appreciate the question scott i know i didn't give you the answer you wanted but this is just where the brain is right now if you're over at the ballpark tonight and you see a a guy walking around still looking jet lagged or wearing a dk pittsburgh sports t-shirt that'll be me come up and say hello say hello let's do that